This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. My name is Art Wiederman. For those of you who have not met me over the internet or on your iPhone or wherever you listen to podcasts, I am a dental division director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. I've been a dental-specific CPA for 36 years. I'm very proud of the work that we do at Ide Bailey with our uh, 300 dentists in the city of Tustin, California. And I'm very proud of our podcast, which we are in our third year of doing, and I am very excited about my guest today. Uh, Again, made lots and lots of friends over the years, and um, uh, one of my new friends is named Eric Vickery. Uh, Eric is a dental coach. He works with um, All-Star Dental Academy, and you might have heard uh, Alex and Heather Nottingham on a prior podcast that we've done. And Eric and I are going to talk about Eric's seven favorite KPIs. And KPI is uh, key performance indicators. And how if you change them, it means more profit. And, and, and folks, I brought you many of the best consultants in the country, of which Eric is one of them, uh, over the last two and a half years that we've done this. And it, it's just, you know, I get lots of comments of, boy, this is great information. And I hear different things from different people. And, and, and what have you. So Eric and I are going to talk about new patients and comprehensive exams and write-offs and hourly production and all the stuff that you really, really need to be looking at in your practice in order for it to be successful. And he's going to give you lots of gems of, um, you know, what can we do to drop more money to the bottom line? I mean, on the one hand, we work with the, um, <laughs> we try and get our doctors uh, more ERTC, employee retention tax credit money to uh, take money away from the federal deficit, but we also want to decrease the federal deficit by you guys making more money and paying more taxes. Does that make any sense? I have no idea, but it is what it is, folks. So anyway, a little bit of information before we get started with Eric. Um, Do go to our partner's website, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. Uh, Their website is wonderful, www.decisionsindentistry.com. If you don't know about Decisions in Dentistry, It is the premier clinical dental magazine in the country. Uh, They have been on top of everything that uh, has been happening with COVID-19 and changes in practice 
methodologies and, and, and clinical issues over the last year, over the last many years. They have a great website. Go to their website, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Uh, you can find our podcasts there. And if you want a complimentary consultation with uh, one of us from uh, either my firm or the Academy of Dental CPAs, go ahead and go on there and click on that button right at the front page and you'll be able to get that consultation. Uh, you can get uh, up to 140 uh, continuing education classes at a very, very reasonable price. Um, and, and some of their courses are absolutely fantastic. Get your CE online and, and do it that way. If you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the country, um, we got you covered. The Academy of Dental CPAs, 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent over 10,000 dentists. We at Ide Bailey represent about 800 dentists. We have a, a really nice practice. We take really good care of our clients. Um, you're more than welcome to email me if there's something we can do to help you. And that's A. Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at Ide Bailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com, or call me at 657-279-3243. Do remember that I am in California, and uh, so if you call me at 8 o'clock in the morning in North Carolina, I'm probably not picking the phone up. But anyway, with that said, just a couple more updates, folks. Remember that the... Um, Government has extended the time to file for your PPP2 loan. Uh, we are recording actually on May, March 31st. So today was the deadline to file. That has been extended to May 31st. And there's about $75 billion or so, last I saw, left in the kitty. So if you have not applied for your PPP2 loan and you had a greater than 25% reduction, in your gross receipts for any quarter in 2020, most likely the second quarter, uh, and you meet the rules and uh, you, you feel that this is something you want to do, I would do it sooner rather than later. Uh, we are also talking about on every podcast right now through probably August, uh, the government now allows you to interact uh, and get both full PPP forgiveness for your round one loan, as well as getting an employee retention tax credit of up to $5,000 per employee. If you had a greater than 50% reduction in your gross receipts, again, more than likely in the second quarter of 2020, you will qualify. And we are starting at Ide Bailey. We're probably going to do about 100 of these, maybe more. Uh, we just did a doctor's office that uh, we're going to get them a $155,000 employee retention tax credit, and full forgiveness of their almost $400,000 PPP loan. Folks, the numbers are, uh, as my uh, as my, my oldest son used to say whenever he thought something that I said was dumb, he says, Dad, that's stupid. Well, these are stupid numbers. If you are a multiple practice owner and you have 80 employees, that could be $400,000 for you. Uh, it's a lot of money. And if you had a 20% reduction, in the first quarter of 2021, it goes from 5,000 a year to 7,000 a quarter, and that's good for the whole year 2021. So if you want any help with that, or you think you might qualify and your CPA isn't talking to you about that, give me a holler. So, uh, and again, one more reminder, and we're kind of doing this as we go along, as I had mentioned in the last couple of podcasts, um, we are going to be recording and publishing twice a month, every every other week, 
Uh, we started doing that on April 1st with all this PPP and ERTC stuff. I was I was literally folks on the phone with clients all morning and every single conversation turns into 45 minutes to an hour to go through all the rules and, and something had to give. So we're going to publish for a while, twice a month, uh, every other week. Uh, really good information. You're going to love Eric Vickery today. He's fantastic. So I just want to, you know, if you're looking for it every week, uh, we're going to be skipping every other week uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, last last thing I'll tell you is that if you want to participate in our uh, monthly uh, webinar series, The Business of Dentistry, which we're doing for six local dental societies in Southern California, our next one is April 14th, which is Wednesday, uh, April the 14th. That will be on cybersecurity and preventing fraud and embezzlement in the dental office. If you want to register, go to www.idebailey.com forward slash dental series. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. All right, that's enough announcements for today. Let's get to my guest. Uh, Eric Vickery uh, is a really smart guy. He uh, holds a degree in business administration. Uh, He is the president of Vickery Coaching, which brings a strong business and systems approach to his clients. Uh, He's managed dental practices for over 10 years. Uh, He utilizes dental practice management training Uh, with his clients. Uh, He uh, helps lead teams to improve their practices through coaching. He's done that since 2001. Uh, You know, Eric is an expert in verbal skills, system training, engaging, and humorous delivery. So Eric needs to be humorous today. Hopefully he will be. We'll find (laughs) out. To all of his seminars that he leads, Uh, he's been a key contributor to the All-Star Dental Academy's Coaching Services Program. Uh, through the del- development of his KPI practice monitoring systems, uh, coaching dental offices all over the country who benefit from his experience uh, in coaching over 250 dental offices since 2001. Eric's also an expert on case acceptance, verbal skills, and the DISC personality profile. Uh, Eric and his wife, Abby, are the proud parents of four children, and he's still smiling, believe it or not. And they live in Northern California. Eric, four children, hey. and you're smiling. How's that working out for you? Welcome to well, the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Management. Thanks, Art. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's because one of them's getting ready to move out. So it's getting ready to go to three. So they've hit that 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 age where they're starting to leave the nest. So ah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I had that happen. Mine are mine are all grown and they're both uh uh, both doing really, really well. And, um, but you know, th- they do let us know when the birthdays come around and they let us know when the holidays come around. And I'm waiting <laughs> for one of them to say, by the way, this is your wedding anniversary. Where's my gift? So what can I tell you? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I, I gave a little bit of background, Eric, uh, tell me a little more about your journey and uh, what you've done in your career. And then we'll get to helping doctors with some KPI issues. Sure. Yeah. I, I, uh like you said, graduated with a business degree and my father-in-law is a dentist. So there was some job security in it. And I was from California. He's from Maine. He said, you and my daughter move out here and I'll give you a job and I'll teach you the the ropes of dentistry. So we moved out there and that was in 1998, managed his practice for about six years. 
And halfway through it, I started working for a company called Dental Boot Camp with Walter Haley. Yep, and, I am very familiar with that. Yep. Yeah, Itsy Bitsy. And so I did. A, I learned a lot of case acceptance verbal skills there. Took my 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 own expertise from my father-in-law and his training on numbers. Created a you know KPI tracker at that time in 2001-ish for myself. And then it turns out that would be something that I would develop um, fully over the years, the last 20 years for clients. And so in 2004, we moved back to California and have been you know, helping coach clients and offices full-time since that time. And it's been, it's been a huge blessing for my family. And, and I really enjoy doing this kind of stuff and getting to know people and helping them become successful. Well, that, that, that's what we're here for. That's our legacy is to, is at the end of the day is for people to, to, to hopefully say that we, we were able to make their lives a little bit better. I mean, it's been a tough 12 months for everybody. So yeah, uh, let's see if we can give them some really gems. So let's start the, the first thing I want to talk to you about is tracking new patients. Okay. Mm. I mean, what's a new patient? How do you track it? What does <laughs> yeah. it mean? Uh, does it mean I met somebody on the street and they said, Oh, I'm going to come into your dental office. Does that make them a new patient? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But, um, you know, how does it qualify? How do you track it? Talk about that a little bit. You know, over the years I've changed my perception on this and Alex, Heather and I at All-Star Dental Academy, we, we talk a lot about what new patients are and how to get them in and what's too many, it's a lost leader and all these things. And we'll hear, you know, maybe uh, dental offices outside of our realm talk about, you know, 60, 70 for one doctor, new patients a month. And we're looking at that going, how is that That's possible? Not, pos- not possible. And how is that healthy? And so I think it's really important to understand, first of all, how to define a new patient. And, and in dental terms, that's simple. A comprehensive exam, a D0150 has been completed. I don't believe that a new patient is an emergency visit because we're not treatment planning. We're not presenting comprehensive dentistry. Now, if you want to see them as an emergency first, that's totally fine. Get them out of pain, but reappoint for the comprehensive exam, right? That's when we can do full comprehensive evaluation and presentation. And now when I look at a number and you tell me, yeah, I saw 15 to 20 comprehensive exam new patients last month, I say, ah, I gotcha. Now I can, in one of our trackers, I can look at case presentation to existing to new patients and see that treatment plan size dollar amount at a certain level and to make sure our percentages are acceptable when it comes to case presentation. And and side note, this isn't one of my top seven, but I love this number. People always say, well, what should my case acceptance be? And, and, or I'll ask them and they'll say, oh, 85%. I want about 85% case acceptance. Well, what does that mean? 85% 85% of what is that? Of what? Yeah. yeah. And so I'll tell them there's actually two numbers that you have to track. You got to track the number of people who schedule something. And you got to track the dollars that they schedule. And we're going to look at 80% of the people scheduling something. And out of all the dollars we present, we want 60% of the dollars being scheduled. So we'll track that. And if you're not hitting those numbers, then we'll work on the verbiage to get case acceptance. We'll work on it as a team and do some training and help you with that. So yeah, but, but but the new patient thing is really what I want to talk about, Art, and that was it's comprehensive exams. And uh, by the way, it's adults. It's not kids. The other thing I see all the time is, oh, we saw four new patients yesterday, and it was a mom and three kids. Well, three kids are not equal to an, an adult comprehensive exam because typically they're not going to have the treatment plan presentation, that the whole case size that we would for an adult. Or if they do, we're probably referring them to the pediatrist, and so forget about it. It's not going to affect your numbers in a positive way anyhow. So 
And I love seeing kids in a GP practice because it absolutely is a great way to care for our community. And it also is a great way to care for your hygiene department. So uh, it's it's not that I don't want to track those things. And don't just tell me that you've seen 40 new patients last month. And if you run your dental software report, it'll tell you, oh, yeah, you saw you know, two new patients yesterday, or, you know, and, and some of them work on registering the patient in your software. They may never even come into your practice, but you register them and all of a sudden they're a new patient because you activated someone. If you don't do it just right, you're going to get the wrong data. So, so Eric, talk to me about a comprehensive exam. I have talked to doctors for all these years and some of them tell me that, you know, we include x-rays in that. Some of them mm-hmm. tell me that uh, it includes, uh, probing. I mean, what, what, what do you like when you coach a doctor, what should be part of a comprehensive exam? How long should it take? How much time should the doctor be spending? Mm-hmm. What do they do? I mean, this may be a whole podcast. On <laughs> yeah, we could probably do something on that. We, too. we probably could, but give, yeah. give us an idea. I mean, cause I, I'm sure there's lots okay. of different ways this is done, right? So I'll say first exam typing, um, was taught to me at an early uh, point of my career. And I think that's one thing that's super important, but you're also starting to get into selling and anybody in dentistry who says they don't sell or they don't like to sell is lying to themselves. We sell health. The trick is how do you do it so that it's not selling? It's not pressure, right? So you're not uh, feeling like you're a car salesman and so that your patient doesn't feel pressure from you. That's the difference. You can call it case presentation, case acceptance, treatment presentation, all you want, those are just fancy terms for selling. And so to, to do that comprehensive exam, you need to set up systems so it's done properly. And, and absolutely, you know, perio evaluation, imaging, both x-rays and intraoral, extraoral, you know, regular photography, uh, charting. How you do that, and I mentioned exam typing, is going to be really important so that you're not wasting time. Your inefficiencies can create a, a real... Uh, cramp it, the the ideal scheduling. So if you have a goal to hit every day, right, that number, how are you going to hit that if you got eight new patients that day? It's not going to work. So how you schedule new patients, both on doctor side and hygiene side, and how do you do that with or without a cleaning and all those things go into it. And so we create a system where we actually get the patient in, in the door within seven days because motivation only lasts seven days. And if you're scheduling them beyond seven days and you hang up the phone, they're probably calling somewhere else to get in sooner. Then they don't call you back and they just don't show up. So we want to make sure we create a system that eliminates friction. I'm sure, Art, you've heard that business term friction. So most yes. dentists don't, they don't understand what that means in a business world. Friction is like how difficult it is for me to do business with you. I got to wait three to four weeks to come in. Uh, maybe I have insurance. Maybe I don't. I'm afraid of the dentist. You only have these hours when I work already to come in. And if you can't eliminate those frictions, then you at least need to eliminate the perception that they exist. Right. Yeah. It, they, people are busy. People are very, very busy. They have... Yeah. They have kids, they have jobs, they have hobbies, they have vacations, they have all this stuff, and they don't have the time. If you make it too difficult to engage with your business, whether you are a dentist or an auto dealer or a supermarket or whatever, uh, they're going to go somewhere where it's easier because people want easy, right? Well, and, and at least understand that from the patient's perspective, they think a dentist is a dentist is a dentist is a dentist. They're all equal. We know that's not true. And the experience is different. Competi- competencies are different. And you have to be an expert in your field. You got to have credibility. 
for them to want to do business with you. So if they've been referred to you and you're excited to see them and yes, I want, we want to see you, want to take great care of you and we'll see you in two months or we'll see you in a month. That just doesn't make sense. So you've got to figure out ways to drop them in your practice. And typically, well, Art, maybe you know the answer to this question. Where do most cancellations occur in the dental office? Do you know? When you say where, what do you mean? Yeah, like either doctor schedule or hygiene schedule. Which do you think has the most cancellations? Well, I better get this right or they're going to kick me off this podcast. (laughs) I'm going to guess the hygiene schedule has more cancellations. That's correct. All right, I got one right. Yes. Sense of urgency, right? I waited waited six months for something versus two weeks for something. It's doctor appointment, hygiene. And so sense of urgency. Now, we work on verbal skills to improve that sense of urgency. But if you're getting hygiene openings tomorrow or the next day, and your doctor doesn't have anything for two or three weeks to get a new patient in, or I don't want to flood his or her schedule with a bunch of new patients to not hit that daily goal. Wow, I've got an hour opening in hygiene tomorrow. And I can figure, I can, again, it's another podcast probably, but I can show you how to do that over a couple visits instead of one visit. Like you said, people are busy. They don't want to come sit in your chair for two hours and they don't even know if they like you. Get them in the door. We'll show you how to break down the system so that you can actually customize and be completely efficient and effective with that time to get the new patient in. So, Eric, let's go back to the new patient. Let's say I have a doctor. Doctor's got, you know, working four days a week, you know, 8 to 5, 8.30 to 5.30. And they have a, uh, maybe they're doing a million a year, 800,000, something like that. How many new patients do you think is healthy? I mean, you, like you say, you know, 60 new patients, no dentist can handle 60 new patients. I mean, what, what should, do you have a sweet spot? Yeah. Do you have a number yeah. you like? Yeah. So typically a practice is going to lose between six and eight patients a month. And those are going to be from, they either just stopped going to the dentist. They, they moved away uh, and, and moved away. Typically is you get noticed that they moved away or they switch dentists. Those are the two they tell you, but when they just stop going or they pass away, right? Those are the four ways we can lose a patient. Typically two of those ways, you're never going to hear from them. You're going to have to reach out to find out, you know, somebody will notify you eventually, but if you're going to lose six to eight patients a month, depending how good your systems are, it could be less than that. If you're really improving your communication and, and how you get a hold of people, to get them in, then, then just to stay even, you've got to be at eight new patients a month, just to stay even. Right. I did a, an analysis with a uh, practice to 2019 and 2020, they were closed for, for two months, which would be the equivalent for that practice of about 450 uh, hygiene visits lost, yep. right? Because they were closed. Yep. So, so they lost 900 visits in year two. In 2020, they had 900 fewer visits. That's 450 fewer people coming in the doors twice a year, right? So that's not just for the two months. That, that's way more than that. And the reason is people are afraid to go back to the dentist and we didn't communicate safety and all these things that we got to market to them. And so when you have these openings, you got to understand, well, if I need eight just to maintain, I need 15 to grow. So it depends on where you're in practice. Like I've got a client in New Hampshire, they've done two scratch starts and they did really good marketing. We have a, a, a a K- KPI for just new patients and where they come from and how much we spend on marketing. And so we know, hey, if we're spending another client spending $8,000 a month on radio and we're getting you know, one or two patients a month from that marketing source, it's not a good marketing source, right? So we not only look at how many new patients we get, but where they come from and how much we're spending to get that new patient to show value on different marketing sources. Yeah. So we're paying attention to that. 
You know what amazes me, Eric, and I've said this over and over again on this podcast and on the lecture stage, it amazes me how many dentists just don't ask their patients for referrals. Referrals. It's like, so do you, it's the first question I ask in a new patient consult, new new dentist consult while I'm working with a client. Do do you ask for, well, sometimes, (laughs) um, or or they, they also say, not as often as I should. I said, and then my immediate comeback is, so that means you don't. That's right. Well, no, not really. Yeah. And, and I get the I'm afraid to sell. I mean, that's the that's the low hanging fruit, right? Well, that's approval addiction. That's fear of rejection. That's all the things that I work on. Before you can do verbal skills, you got to be good with yourself, and you got to be confident in a healthy way. And then you got to have a system where at morning huddle you're talking about who you're going to identify to ask for referral, and then you got to have the verbiage to to know how to do it. And then you got to follow up. You, know, you got to take notes on, Hey, I asked this person, this was their response. And, Oh, they sent someone, we sent them a thank you gift. You can't just do pieces of this. You have to do all of it. And right. then you got to, got to look at the results at the end and say, how many came from referrals? Yeah. So, so this practice, the scratch practice was seeing, you know, 40 comprehensive exam, new patients a month. And the reason they could do that was because it was scratch practice. The doctor right. had the open time. Yeah. So, but once we got to a certain point, 40 doesn't make sense anymore. The number that makes sense is about 15 to 20 is about right. And you could, and, and here's another thing, that practice that saw 900 fewer visits, they're having hygiene openings the next day or two. We're putting new patients in there because we need to get them in. Because if we just put them on the doctor schedule, the patient's waiting too long, new patient's waiting too long to come in. Right. Therefore, they don't come in as often, et cetera. And so, we, and, and there's tricks to get them to come in if you're scheduling beyond seven days, verbiage that we put in place, systems that we do. But the goal would be to get them in within seven days with doctor or hygiene. It doesn't matter. It's how get you them do it. into the office, yeah. And it's how you do it once you get them in. It's how you focus on comprehensive care once they're in. You will not sacrifice comprehensive care because they're being seen on the hygiene side if your team is trained really well, really well and if you follow an exam typing system to get them in for a full comprehensive exam, customized to meet uh, their needs and fit your schedule. So, I, I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, what we want that patient to walk out and go home and tell their spouse or their son or daughter or friend to say, I just went to Dr. Wow. Vickery's office and I've been going to dentists for 30 years and I've never had as great an experience like that. Because people tend to tell other people about really good experiences and they also tend to tell them about really bad experiences too. So that's important. Let me go back. Comprehensive exams. So are you saying 15 to 20 comprehensive exam, mm-hmm. new patients? To uh, grow to, a practice. To, what about yeah. to grow a practice? So what, yeah, what, I, think, I think to grow a practice. And, and the key word grow is how much do you need to grow? Again, if your hygiene department isn't at eight days a week, by the way, the key uh, KPI for how many active patients do I have, right? Just take 200 times the number of days of hygiene you have, and that's how many active pa- uh, patients you actually have. Forget about what your software says. It takes about 200 patients to fill one day a week of hygiene for a whole year. Pretty simple math. So if you've got eight days a week of hygiene, you have 1,600 active patients. And that's about the ceiling for one dentist. You're, you're pretty maxed out at that point. Yeah, so 1600, that, that's, a, I mean, I have clients that have 11, 12, 1300, yes. they're doing a million, a million, two. Yeah. I mean, one doctor, yeah, 1600 active patients, that, that's going to keep you plenty busy. And, uh, you that's know, a and a lot of it is just what kind of a practice do you want to have? That's right. That's right. And, and most of the clients I work with either are or want to be 
out of network. And so I help them get out of network, out of insurance with the right verbiage and done correctly so that they can charge everybody the same rate, do comprehensive care on every patient, have peace of mind, sleep well at night, knowing that, hey, I'm getting treated fairly by the insurance companies. My patients are getting the best care possible. And I'm doing as much dentistry uh, every time they come in. You know, uh, uh, talking about growing, there's only two ways to grow a dental practice that I believe. Uh, one, everybody knows, more, more patients, right? But at some point, like that 40 new patients a month system, right? You don't want more patients, right? right. So you want to keep your patients, right? So it could be overdue hygiene. It could be new patients. That's Everybody knows that's a way to grow the practice. Not everybody knows the second way to grow a practice. And, and that second way is, is once the patient's in the chair, we do as much dentistry as possible while they sit down. It's much more efficient to do three or four um, teeth while they're sitting there in one visit than it is to see three or four patients over a longer period of time. Yep. And so that's how you how these practices I work with take it to the next level. So we take customer service, we take uh, case presentation, case acceptance, verbal skills, so that the patient's doing more dentistry than just one tooth. You're not helping them enough and they're, the practice isn't getting as healthy as possible at the same time. So you can grow with new patients at 15, but more importantly, doing more dentistry per visit is how you can really grow your practice. So I, I'm guessing you're a fan of same-day dentistry. I put the uh, kind of sort of maybe. Yeah. I mean, look, as long as it doesn't negatively affect your schedule where you've got a happy paying patient in chair one waiting because you decide to put this emergency in and treat them for a root canal while your your patient who's sitting in the the other chair waits, you know, as long as it's makes sense for your schedule to do so and you have the availability, then sure. What I really love is the patient to say yes to everything. What bothers me is where dentists go, well, I presented phase one. Okay. Well, they spent... Uh, all this time with your administrative team to figure out how to financially afford phase one at, I don't know, $3,000. Their total treatment plan is $12,000. And they've decided they're going to pay that $3,000 for 12 months, no interest on an outside financing company. Guess when they start phase two? Well, they're going to start phase two in 13 months. Guess when they're going to start phase three? Guess when they're going to start? By the time they get to phase three and phase four, I mean, that we'll be lucky if the teeth are still um, serviceable, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, so you have to assume that this patient is going to pay things out. Start with the whole thing and we'll back up from there. Don't start with little things in the patient. You don't, the patient's not going to, you know what? Let's supersize me. Give, give me more, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not going to ask for the upgrade. We got to talk to them, but that's where people get afraid of selling. They think, oh, I'm going to overwhelm them. I'm going to scare them away, you know, and that's just not that's just not how it works. If you have the right verbal skills, you're not talking about treatment. You're talking about conditions and the consequences of those conditions. Yeah. And so that's how we can make a big difference in growth. I want to I want to get to my other KPIs, but I also yes. want the folks to obviously, again, I'm very careful who I bring onto this podcast. I only bring people that really know what they're talking about. And it's obvious, Eric, that you do. Um, would you please, uh, if you wanted, uh, if, a, if a doctor listening to this, and we have thousands of people all over the country that listen to this podcast, uh, if they wanted to call and just kind of, you know, bend your ear for 30 minutes sure. and talk about some issues, uh, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, the, because I'm on the phone all day long, <laughs> or Zoom or meetings like this, the best is just to reach out by email or text. And so, yeah, you can text me. Uh, how about that? We'll just do a text. That could be easy. It's uh, 
356-4011. And I'm on the West Coast. Don't text me at 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, I won't answer. But you're welcome to text me and say, I heard the podcast wondering about this. I'll text you back and forth. And if it makes sense for us to schedule a call, we'll do that and, and get to know each other. You can uh, check out allstardentalacademy.com and, and look at some great verbal skill training for getting new patients in and to prevent cancellations. And so we track how much does a cancellation cost? You know, uh, just one hour of hygiene a day, one hygienist working four days a week is equivalent to about $35,000 a year loss. Open time, one hour a day. Doctor, one hour a day, four days a week is about $95,000 a year. Yeah, it so adds up. It adds up quick. So if you have two hygienists, you're talking about, you know, $150,000 a year, we'll cut that in half if that's happening to you. Mm -hmm. The national average is about 33% of open time. So yeah, numbers are a great indicator that something's either really right or really wrong. And so when I see numbers that are wrong, we can talk about the system and the verbal skill to fix that wrong number. Right. And, and so, yeah. Let, let's move on because I, okay. again, like yeah, everybody else, we do this for days. <laughs> um, Write-offs, okay. Ah. Um, and I, I believe in this too. Why Why do you think it's important if we charge, like charging the actual fee yeah, um, yeah. As opposed to a PPO fee. I mean, you know, you, yeah. you got a, uh, you know, you got an 1110 that's uh, uh, UCR fee is 130 bucks, but my contracted fee is 80 and I'm going to put 80 into the computer and, oh, I, my collections are 98% and I'm, yeah. What, what do you think about that? So there's obviously two schools of thought that you're looking at. I believe that early on you, pro if you're in network and you're doing write-offs for insurance, you should probably track those. So you get a feel for the pain that's involved with that. So that's, that's one. But once you get an understanding that, Hey, I'm losing anywhere from 20 to 42%, depending on premier PPO and in network and, and the size of your practice, it ranges. But if you look at a PPO insurance, it's about 42% write-off rate. Yeah. We know that number. That's about right. Yeah. We know that number. So once you know the number, now it's time to put the actual fee in for that insurance in your system. And here's why. You give me a goal. You say, Eric, I want to produce, let's say doctor. Doctor says, I want to produce $5,000 a day. I say, great. Well, let's go ahead and put treatment plan. This is the case sizes you need. New patients equal this dollar. You see this many new patients. We start getting all these things together and you start presenting it and they start saying yes. And we start scheduling $5,000 a day. Awesome. Why are we only collecting $3,000 a day then? Something's off. What, what's So we don't need to produce 5,000. We now need to produce 8,000, 9,000. Yeah. And so I don't want, I want to play with real money. So we, I recommend once you know the write-off rate, you put in the fee schedule for the PPO that you're involved with, okay? This is part two of three. So know your write-off. Part two is now put the, the actual insurance fee in so that when you treatment plan it, you're actually scheduling to a goal that's real dollars so we can actually collect that. So now I know when numbers not when money's not missing, right? When, when money's missing and you have a bunch of write-offs, I go, well, should it have been written off or should we have collected it? I don't know. But when, I, when you produce... $80, that's that's a, that's your your PPO fee, then I know you need to collect $80. Right. And now when you tell me, hey, we're at 98% collection rate, I go, that's where, okay, that's real money. Now you might say, and it sucks, I'm only hitting th phase three. Uh, I'm only producing $3,000 a day, working really hard. I'm doing everything you're saying, Eric, it's only 3,000. I could see that if I was not in network, that would be $5,000 a day. And then I help clients get out of insurance plans uh, on a regular basis year after year. I mean, again, this is another podcast, but the fact of the matter is, is that 
being successful in getting in reducing your dependency on insurance and getting out of PPOs is very simply verbal skills between the doctor, the front office, and the patient. Isn't that right, Eric? I mean, yeah, it, it's that be. simple. Has to be. And any doctor who says, "Oh, my team does all the verbal skills," they're fooling themselves. Any any um, doctor who says, "Oh, I just need to do the verbal skills," they're fooling themselves. A team. It has to be every from the. The phone call, which is the second impression, because they heard about you somewhere. That was the first impression. From the second impression on, case acceptance is beginning. If if credibility is one of the number one factors in, in people wanting to do business with you, credibility, then that credibility comes from the patient's confidence in your competence. So credibility equals confidence in your competence. I'd trademark that. You can... <laughs> so. <laughs> So, so here's the thing. So when I answer the phone, let's say I'm, I'm answering the phone for Dr. Smith, that patient calling only has a little bit of an idea of how good of a dentist he or she is. But how I answer the phone will start to give that patient a frame of reference and confidence in that doctor's competence. And so if I do a really good job on the phone call, they're going, wow, Dr. Smith must be an amazing dentist. And then they come in and the hygienist does everything right, says everything right, the assistant. It's, and I still haven't had any dentistry done as a patient. And then I'm still building that credibility, that confidence and competence. And if your systems and verbal skills are breaking down in those regards, i.e. patient sits down in the, in the chair and the hygienist or dental assistant says, what brings you in today? Or the doctor, even worse, walks in and says, what brings you in today? After I just told the person on the phone, I, I told the assistant, and now you come in and ask me that for the third time, conf confidence starts to go down. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so, it's about team communication and all that stuff. Simple example, simple example. I know we were talking about write-offs, but it always it always comes back to verbal skills. So so my, my three phases are know your write-offs. Once you know them, adjust to using the actual fee schedule so that you can schedule the goal. We can collect that actual money, real dollars. And then when you feel the pain point and you go, wow, I'm working really hard to produce this number because a lot of doctors know their production. They're not paying attention to the right part of that. They go, wow, it's time to get off insurance. And I help them do that part too. No, this is, this is great. This is great stuff. All right, let's move on to some of these others. Um, okay. Doctors talk, I'll talk about, you know, what's my yeah. monthly hygiene production? What's my yeah. monthly doctor production? I mean, I've heard this for years. I used to be part of the Pride Institute. I don't know if you knew that, Eric, yep, but yep. Um, I was part of the Pride Institute yep. for years, and I worked with some great dental consultants and coaches, and Jim Pride and Phil, Dr. Phil Whitener, for those of you who are gray hairs like myself who know <laughs> who they are, if you're in your 30s, you may not know who they are, but um, I mean, is it more important that we know about production in, uh, per month? Is it per hour? Is it per patient? What, 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 what do you like to look at? Yeah, so we take... We work backwards. What do you want to earn? what Doctor, what do you want to earn? Well, we know that number based upon where they are in their career, right? If they have a lot of school debt, practice debt, whatever it is, right? We can we can figure out the percentage and we can work backwards and say, well, then you got to collect this amount. Let's say we say you got to collect a million dollars so that you end up with, with what you want. Now we take that million dollars, we know it's 83300 a month. Okay. Then we break that down by provider. Who's going to produce what? 53 doctor, 30 hygiene. Okay. What is that per day? 5,300. That's 3,300 per doctor. That's 1,000, 1,250 per hygienist. And we can break that down. That's fine to do that. But once you get beyond that, once you get beyond those numbers and you start telling me, well, we're collecting $160,000 a month or we did 2.3 last year. Well, how many providers? Now, how do I know if you're efficient or not? The only way to know if you're producing what you ought to be producing is if we look at production per patient, by, this is by provider, production per patient and production per hour. 
So in a doctor's schedule, production per patient and per, and per hour should be the same, at least $500 per patient per hour. And what we see a lot of times if that per hour is low, it's because they have open time. If that per patient is low, it's because they're not doing enough dentistry per visit and the ideal day scheduling is flipped. It's not right. They're not following the right system. And then we look at case acceptance. Are you just doing, you know, presenting phase one? You're not presenting all of it, all those things. On hygiene, then we look at it and say production per patient and production per hour should be the same because they see one patient per hour. Okay. And that should be, you know, it depends on the area geographically, how much insurance involvement, all these things play a role. But typically somewhere between 150 and 175 per patient per hour should be the same. Again, if you're per that, hour. That's in, that's in uh, hygiene. Hygiene. Right? Yep. Yeah. And and that that comes into Eric. Does the practice have a good non-periodontal, a, a non-surgical periodontal program? That's right. Because a lot say, of practices exactly. Don't. Yes. Well, Which we'll we're track. Gonna, we're going we're gonna to yeah. chat about that in a minute. I think that's so. in here. Yeah, it, it yeah. goes no, right we're into We're definitely going to chat about that. How do you get to that number, right? And so production per hour will go down for a lot of reasons, but especially if there's openings, you don't have anybody, your production per hour is zero. Right. If your production per, per patient is high, but the production per hour is low, that's typically the issue. But if your production per patient is low too, then there's some other factors that come into play. One of those being perio procedures and the other being you know, we're not doing fluoride at a 40 to 45% usage rate. We're not doing six x-rays annually. We're only doing four x-rays annually. We're writing off every panel we do because it conflicts with FMX. We can fix all that. All that is fixable so that your, your hygienist can produce what they need to produce so that you can pay them. The, you want to pay your, your hygienist. I'm assuming that the hygienists you have on your team are phenomenal and you want to pay them at a phenomenal rate. So they provide phenomenal care, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to Disney World. Art, you ever been to Disney World? I have been to Disney World once. I've been to yeah. Disneyland a lot. Haven't been. Uh, I, I always promise myself the next time. If I ever have grandchildren, that will be probably the next time I yeah, go to right. Disneyland. But that's I've been. Right. I've been. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with them. So you you've seen what the real Mickey Mouse looks like, okay? Yes. All right. Now, if you go to New York, you go to Times Square, there's another Mickey Mouse there you can get your pictures taken with. Do you notice that Mickey Mouse looks a little bit different? It doesn't quite look the same. I don't think I would pay the same amount of money to see that Mickey Mouse that I would at one of the Disneys. You get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. and, and so if I'm going to have a great team, pay them at the best rate possible so that they provide the best experience possible for my patients, so that they say yes, so that they refer more people, it takes all of us involved to make this work beautifully. And I can't do that if I'm being limited by either my fees, my efficiencies, my case acceptance, how I schedule, right? All of those things play a role. And so we can use the KPIs to figure out, well, where are they low and why? Here's the system that fixes it. And here's the verbal skill that you accompany that system with. Well, I yeah. want to go back to something very important. Yeah. I grew up in New York for the first 16 years of my life. <laughs> what does Mickey look like on Times Square that I missed. <laughs> what, 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 he is what, not, that Mickey Mouse is so phony. You can tell he's fake. You can tell it's oh, not the okay. real Mickey Mouse. Well, yeah. you know, I just must, I must have missed that. <laughs> and you could use you could use any example, any of the movie characters there. Like I was there in Times Square. My wife was doing some shopping and there was a stormtrooper. Well, I can tell he wasn't the real oh, stormtrooper. Yeah. You know, or, or I mean, there's just characters there that you can get your picture taken with that just are mimics of the real thing, right? Well, I, I, I'm a wily coyote and roadrunner. Oh, man. there you that, go. Those are yeah. my favorites. <laughs> we'll do another podcast on um, favorite you, Warner Brother characters. I love that. Go. Or favorite Disney characters. Beautiful. Um, yeah. uh, okay, so um, 
let's talk about hygiene and yeah, percentage of area. Yeah. How, I mean, I, I beat on people about yes. how important yes. the hygiene department, Eric, in my opinion, and we learned this at pride is three things. It's, it's, it's a revenue source. Number one, it's a place for asking patients for referrals and developing relationships. And it's a place to develop work. And I can't tell you how many hygienists dentists tell me, well, my, I said, does your dentistry, does your hygienist help in delivering yes. the comprehensive dentistry? And That's I right. use the word selling. Well, yeah. no, she, she doesn't, she just likes to clean teeth and that's it. And it's yeah. like, I, I just want to like take the, take the dentist and shake them upside yeah. down. So why are you not? <laughs> so well, and again, that. that goes back to foundation, approval, addiction, fear of rejection, lack of confidence, all those things actually play a role in this. And so usually when I coach, I start there, I, I do life coaching as well, but, but the life coaching side of it comes into the executive coaching before you can sell, you have to first believe that you're worth it. Right. And so that could be the doctor. That could also be the hygienist. That could be anybody who answers the phone. And so if you don't have confidence, it's going to come across. Your, your patient's not going to want to do business with somebody who's unsure of themselves. It just doesn't exist. Can, right. Can you teach that? Because I have doctors that listen to this podcast that have called me, that have emailed me and said, you know, Art, I am the way I am. And I, I, I just don't know if I can change. Can, can through coaching, I mean, whether it's life coaching or Eric uh, dental coaching, have you been able to get the the, the dentist to have a um, absolutely uh, a, a change in how they do things? I mean, is yes. that possible? This is this is fixable, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll save names, you know, to protect the innocent. Uh, but I'm thinking of one example right away that I met in the early 2000s. I still work with him. He's getting ready to sell his practice. He's in the Missouri area. I'll say that. And um, he went from wavering and stammering you know, to, to confidence and it takes time. It takes repetition. It takes, you got to train yourself to master it. Takes work folks. <laughs> you have to put the time in. <laughs> yeah. You can't just show up and Oh, I'm different. You know, it, it, I actually have to work on the insides before the outsides can show up. So, you know, that's something that I learned way back when, when I worked with uh, dental boot camp and Walter Haley, that was something that was uh, amazing for me. And he was a great mentor for me. He so yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so periodontal percentage in hygiene. What do you like? Yeah, so again, it can't be just a super profi. It can't it can't be that. You have to do what what is right. And if it were your mouth, it was your family's mouth. So the number one thing that I, I express to hygiene departments is this. We know all know this statistic. 80% of the population has some form of gum disease. Okay. That includes gingivitis. So I don't know. Let's take 20% off the top. So 60% of the population. Okay. Half of them don't go to the dentist, which half, probably the unhealthy half. <laughs> so, so let's say 30% of your practice ought to be dedicated to perio. Now I've got a practice in San Jose. I work with them. I worked with them years, uh, years and years and years. And they do everything when it comes to periodontal evaluation and treating them. It's there. And they consistently run about 11% perio. It just has to do with their demographics. They're in Silicon Valley. Their patients grew up on fluoride. They grew up going to the dentist every six months. They have a high value for prevention. And so the perio isn't there as the, as the patient's age. It just isn't. They're healthier people. However, most practices, I will say this, I have another practice on the other side of San Jose, and they're at 54% perio. So if you, you can look at the demographics, say, who are we attracting? And, how, and they're both using the same system, the same verbiage, verbal skills. So 
I will say this. If you're below, well below 20% perio in your practice, and most of them I see around 9%. Yeah, that's the national average. That's what I quote yep. is nine percent. Yeah, about nine percent. And I and I look at practice purchases. I'm helping about three different young doctors right now do practice evals and look at those numbers. I look at it and go, how can they do? And this one was just yesterday. Was one hygienist. She was doing like 360 profies. Okay, in this time period. In that time, she did two perio maintenance in the same time. I'm like, that's not even on this. That's not even on the screen. There's no way that she is not treating gum disease and billing it as a profi. And, and that part of that, doctors, is you setting the tone in your office for what is important. If you don't let the hygienist know that perio is a number one priority in your practice, why would the hygienist make it a number one priority in your practice? Right, Eric? That's right. And I have seen offices transition to really get on the perio bandwagon. And then all of a sudden, if they stop talking about dentistry and the dental chair goes down. The doctor side goes down. And we've got to maintain both. And so actually the same practice in New Hampshire, we use the case acceptance tracker and they, their hygienist only tracked perio presentations they did. And so we took, uh, remember they were 40 new patients a month right. or more, right. right? Growing, growing, growing. And, all, and they saw all their new patients in hygiene. So it kept their perio percentage really low. I was like, all right, it's time to decrease the new patient, time to increase the, the effectiveness of our hygiene department because it wasn't profitable. And we went from, tr- because we tracked it, be- what you measure, you improve, because we tracked the presentations of perio, that practice is now about 25% uh, perio. So they're almost there, but they still see a lot of new patients in their well, hygiene department. And, so and, it's about And one thing, doctors, I, I want to share is if your practice is at 5% perio or 7% perio, and you're hearing Eric and I talk about that you should be at 25 to 33% is probably a good place. Don't don't flip out and, and go into your office uh, tomorrow yeah. morning and say, okay, so we're going to change everything, and I want <laughs> perio to be one-third of it. No, no. If you can increase, Eric, I think that if we were working on a plan and we have a doctor that's at 9% and we could get them to, in a year, maybe to 18 19%, yeah, that's, right. that's pretty that's good, right. right? That comes from planting the perio seed. You never pull the carpet out from your existing patients because they're going to say, I've been coming to you all this time. Why, why are you telling me this now, right? And it, it comes with selling the condition. It comes with overhear psychology and have them hear what the condition is of their gum tissue and having them understand that and saying, hey, you know what, if you come, you, you come back next time and it's not better, let's talk about things. And so the verbal skill and the system associated with it is really important. Okay, a couple more things that I want to hit on. So right. let's talk about lost time in the hygiene and the doctor schedule. That must drive yeah. you as a coach absolutely bad crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so talk I mentioned I mentioned one earlier on the value, which we always track open time. We track it due to cancellations or never filled, whatever it is. And I always track a net result of that and, and that one hour of hygiene and what it equals to. And we take that value of one, 150 to 175. We multiply that. That's where we get that 35,000 annually. And our goal is to get new patient, I'm sorry, hygiene time, hygiene open time under 10% ideally 5%. If you So a hygienist typically works about 110 to 120 hours a month. So if they can be at five, six, seven open hours a month, that'd be amazing. So about one to one and a half hours a week for a hygienist. That's what we're talking about. And it's doable, but you got to have the right proactive systems to do it. I, I mean, that that's like if you, you know, I mean, I'm sure doctors, none of you have come into the office <laughs> getting ready for your 9 a.m. Uh, profi, uh, uh, the hygienist is going to 9 a.m. profi and at 8.45, the patient calls... 
oh, I I forgot. I, I had an appointment today and I have to change it. Right. Yeah. And that's having a system that where you can have a whole bunch of people who are waiting, they can get a mass text message or something like that, that, hey, we got a cancellation. First one that calls gets it, you know, the, the little things like that, right? So so there's there's um, prevention, which I believe 80-20 principle, right? So I believe 80% of our efforts in preventing, making that so that patient never calls me at 845 or when I call them, they say, oh, just getting ready to call you. You know, that tooth's not even bothering me. I'm going to go ahead and wait. Like we prevent all that from happening a vast majority of the time. Again, 95% of the time. So, and then on the doctor's side, because that's $100,000 a year just to lose one hour a day, four days a week. Okay. We say we want to be at 3% or less of open time. So that's about two to three hours a month open time, about a half hour a week of doctor time. Now, I'm talking about it never got canceled. Not like it canceled, fell off, we put something in there because that is first aid. So the 20% of effort that we spend is on first aid. What do we say when that call comes in and how we handle cancellations once, they, once they're on the phone? Instead of, you know, I do interviewing, preliminary interviewing for clients and I ask them, how do you handle a cancellation call? Oh, I always say, I always say, uh, okay, let's get you rescheduled. They think, you know, administrative team members think, as long as I get that person rescheduled, it's okay. Sure, that's okay, but but it's it's good. But what's great is to save the appointment if you can. Now, as administrator, if your clinical team isn't saying the right things when they schedule the appointment, the patient doesn't have urgency and value to keep the appointment, and therefore you're fighting an uphill battle. And that's why I start with clinical and then on, on prevention and then work on first aid secondary. Uh, and then, and then you mentioned something about a mass text, and I'll just give this out. Uh, this is free, no charge advice, right? Uh, don't tell your patients that you're trying to get in sooner, that you had a cancellation, that you had an opening, that you had a change in the schedule, or that you even had previously reserved time that has recently become available. <laughs> okay, never let them see you sweat. Okay, don't live in a world where you get cancellations, so that someday you can live in a world where you don't right. get cancellations. So, right. if I were to call you, Art, I'd say, Art. Uh, Betty, your hygienist, asked me to give you a call. Uh, she said she'd be willing to see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. because she was concerned about how far out you were scheduled and wanted to see you sooner rather than later. Like would you that. be able Would you be able to come in tomorrow at 11? So nothing was mentioned about a cancellation. And now that patient doesn't hear, hey, we had a cancellation, we had an opening, we had a change of schedule. And they think, you know what Eric does? He's my automatic cancellation uh, answering machine. And anytime I need to cancel, I'll just call Eric and he'll put someone else in my spot. Mm. I have to retrain my patients. I got to change them. So but, that's the type of verbal right, skills. But if I get, but if I get that cancellation 30 minutes before the appointment, that's a little more difficult. Now you text them. You that's text what them. I meant. Is, yes. is, is, no, if I have a day or two of, of an appointment, that's yeah. the difference between a cancellation and a no-show. That's right. Yeah. So if I, uh, or a last minute cancellation. Now, if I'm going to send a text message, I'm going to use the same verbiage. I, and I can send it out to a few people. I can send out that same verbiage knowing that I have about a 30% open rate, right? And and send out, hey, Betty was concerned. She wants to see you sooner rather than later. Okay, because everybody help. She said she'd be willing to see you tomorrow. Give us a call if you're able to come in tomorrow. Maybe you put the time, maybe you don't. If they get to you last, just say, hey, we had two patients we, we contacted and we we're just concerned about both of you and they took it before you. They'll understand. You know, no, so it, it's all about systems. Yeah. I, I think the last KPI you and I were going to talk about today was um, comparing your collection rate of production and write-offs yeah. and what's healthy. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. So, uh, uh, again, we, we talked about this earlier, but a 98% collection rate versus production is ideal or more. Obviously, you want to collect as much as you can. Of what becomes the question? Are you talking about 
UCR, cash fee, or you talk about insurance rates and that sort of thing, and that 42%. So how can you collect 98% if you're writing off you know, 20% if half your practice is insurance-based or 30% if 75% of it is? So my when I use my KPI tracker and when we track numbers, I look at adjustments every month and I look at insurance and I look at everything else. And I separate those two and I say, of the production, $100,000 produced, how much did you write off for each of those columns? And I want those write-offs to be less than 5% a month. How can I collect 98% if I'm writing off 10%, 20%, 30%? So I want a severely low write-off rate. And if something's high, then I investigate. I say, well, why is the insurance high? Why is the other, oh, doctor's a good guy. He gets friends in here every day. They're all new patients. He's known them for like five minutes and he's given them half off their, their treatment plan. It's like, okay, then I got to work on doctor approval addiction. I got to work on something there. Or you know, family and friends discount or the senior discount is 10% or more, or their in-office membership plan is 20%. And I'm going, what are we doing? So you got to know what your profit margin is to know what you can afford to write off. And right. so that leads us into the KPI side of say your profit and loss report, more your, your realm art. But I look at a profit loss and I say, hey, show me percent of income column. And I compare that to lab. I compare that to payroll. And I know what all the healthy guidelines should be. And once those are out of whack, I say, look, you're not going to take money away from your team. You can only increase collections. How are you going to increase collections? Stop giving it away. Stop being in, in, in insurance. Uh, start scheduling better, better case acceptance, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots of ways you can do it. And not everybody needs all the ways. We just need to figure out how to take that practice and improve it 5 to 20%. Yeah. And at the end of the day, doctors, we want you working on your practice, not just in your practice. And that's what someone like Eric Vickery can do to help you. Again, I don't advertise for my guests. They're all great. <laughs> they don't need they don't need my help. They're all in great demand. But 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 Eric just gets it. I mean, yeah, it's it's funny. Yes, like you, you work with a specialist and you work, you know, you're a general dentist, you work with a periodontist, you work with an endodontist, and you just go, Yeah, th- th- this person gets it. And this is this is people like Eric who get it. So since you get it, Eric, uh, and you can pronounce words much better than I can, apparently, um, would you please let one more time as we wrap this thing up? And, and again, please stay with us. Uh, stay with me after I I sign off. Um, would you please let our listeners know uh, phone number to get a hold of you and uh, uh, maybe an email and a website or something so they can get a hold of you? And it will be in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, AllStarDentalAcademy.com. You can go there. You can go, uh, you can text me 530-356-4011 and we can start the conversation from there. I think that's the easiest way, quickest way to get a response from me. And yeah, you can email me. That's totally fine too. But uh, I'm here for you. Uh, I look, I'm passionate about dentistry. I love helping clinical people understand business things and people things and self-improvement. That's the thing I'm passionate about. I know nothing about clinical dent. I mean, I know about clinical dentistry, but you I know don't not. I don't know how to do it. Uh, you right. know, I, I, I can I can drop into a practice and run it, but it's so much more fun for me to help multiple people. I've probably coached somewhere between two hundred fifty and three hundred offices in the last twenty years, and I love when I help them reach their goals. And they love doing what they do. They love tricks that make their job easier and more more effective. So yeah. And, and doctors, this podcast every single week is a call to action. That's right. 
okay, if you call Eric Vickery, I get nothing other than the satisfaction of knowing that you're going to be in really, really good hands and that your business is going to improve, your life is going to improve. So this is a call to action. If you are listening to this podcast and you're hearing some things that Eric or any of my guests say on this podcast, and you say, oh yeah, you know, I've been really thinking about, I got to make some changes, make the changes, make the phone call, get started. Please, please, please get started and working. Eric Vickery, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Very excited about uh, uh, what we talked about today. And folks, I just want to, again, remind you, go to our uh, partner, Decisions in Dentistry magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com for great clinical content. Also, uh, if you're looking for a dental CPA, this year is like no other. It's be kind to your CPA year, folks. Uh, www.adcpa.org. You know, I'm at uh, awiederman at idbailey.com. Would be happy to help you with anything. 657-279-3243. If you had a 50% reduction in your revenues in the second quarter of 2020 and you have not, or even if you have filed for forgiveness for your first PPP loan, you need to look in the employee retention credit. Uh, The ERTC uh, will be happy to help you with that. With that said, folks, again, another wonderful episode, wonderful in my opinion, and I'm the host, so I get to say it's wonderful, (laughs) wonderful episode. Uh, I will never say this was really like the worst episode (laughs) of this podcast that I've ever recorded. That will not happen. It just doesn't happen, especially if we're talking to nice people or even about sports or golf. What can I tell you? That is it for this episode of The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. Thank you so much for listening. God bless every one of you. And remember my five words of encouragement that we've said since March 16th of last year, which is failure is not an option. So folks, work on your practice, work in your practice, make it better, make your life better. God bless every one of you. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A. W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.